0: Of that Sunday, then my granddaughter got married two weeks ago, yesterday. So I was out for that one, and it just seemed like it been a, oh well, last week. Brother Dennis wouldn't let me preach, and so it just. Uh, but anyway, so sit down and relax because it's going to be a while. No, I'm I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> last week, of course, we had our weekend revival, and we saw some decisions made, and. Of course the next step of that is to come and follow in baptism. A very important step. Uh, I know there were some other decisions need to be made, and so that that was done, but today we're going to talk about what baptism is. Now we're Baptist, so we believe in baptism. But it's if you will get your Bibles and turn with you to Matthew chapter three, verses eleven through seventeen. I'm going to ask you, would, to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. It begins in verse 11 of Matthew chapter 3, and it says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me? But Jesus answered and said, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill the righteous, all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon his shoulder. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this passage we just read. And, Lord, for the meaning that it has behind these words that were spoken. Amen. And, Lord, you would open our hearts to see how important that little picture of baptism is so important to us. And, Lord, that Jesus took the time to set the example here today. And that each one of us should desire to be, a, to be baptized once we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Go with us these next few moments. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. When we last saw Jesus, he was a toddler returning from Egypt. That was back around the Christmas season, and we had uh, several weeks of the Christmas story, if you will. For the next three decades, we know very little about his life. Luke records an event when he was about 12 years old and visiting Jerusalem. But other than that, the Bible is silent about his childhood and adolescence. Jesus remained in the carpenter shop doing his stepfather's work until he was prompted by the Spirit to begin his uh, to begin his heavenly father's work. I can't help but wonder during that time of his life because he knew what lay ahead of him in the years to come as part of this picture that we're drawing this morning. I can't help but wonder if sometimes as maybe Jesus was working on something that was a big beam, and as he looked at that piece of wood, he thought, one of these days I'm going to be nailed to a beam like that. I wonder if Jesus worked with two large beams and thought about the cross that he knew one day was going to be in his life span. I wonder if he ever handled a big hammer and maybe some large nails and thought about how one day they would be driven into his feet and his hands. But in the fullness of time, Jesus came on the scene to begin his 42-month ministry, which is not very long if you think about it, of regaining this world. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, 4, When the time had fully come, God sent his Son to redeem those under the law. The miracle of this baptism was the event that launched his earthly ministry. And it ought to be the event of each one of us once we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. And like I say, we had over the last few weeks, I believe three or four that have made decisions to follow Christ. And so this is preparing you for the next step. Because it's not what we say you need to do. Jesus said, be baptized once you've received the Holy Spirit. He didn't, John the Baptist did not invent baptism. Now John the Bapt, Baptizer, as it was called, was a very interesting individual. Probably we would not want him in our church, to be honest with you. He would have us all at the altar every day. But it's he was a very unique individual and an interesting character. John called upon everyone to repent and then to be baptized. John 3.23. John tells us John uh, three twenty three tells us that John was baptizing in a place where there was plenty of water. He wasn't pouring. He wasn't sprinkling. He was taking a dam. In fact, if you look at the word itself, it literally means to dunk under, and that's where we get the word from. He would have only needed a trickle if all he needed to do was sprinkle. And I'm not criticizing our neighbors that do the uh, sprinkling and so forth. So don't misunderstand. But I want you to see what God's Word says about it. Because that makes all the difference in the world. After Jesus was baptized, a miracle took place. The Holy Spirit became visible upon Jesus in the form of a dove floating down, fluttering down as a dove does at starting to land. And landed upon Jesus' shoulder, indicating something very important. We just read it. This is my beloved son. son my, this is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. The voice of God spoke to these people that were gathered that day. I don't know how many it was. It may have been a hundred, it may have been a thousand. We don't know. But what I want you to understand is that when this picture took place. When Jesus was physically baptized, just like most of you have been, raised above the water, God sent a sign representing the Holy Spirit that landed upon his shoulder. And the words were spoken, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. What a miracle. I want us to examine Jesus' baptism, and I think we'll see four important messages that God has for us today. Number one, God's message to everyone turn from your sins and follow Jesus. Jesus' example in baptism. Jesus had no need to turn from his sins because he didn't have any sins. Why did he need to do that? He was being baptized for righteousness' sake. That just meant. It was the right thing for Him to do so. In other words, He was setting an example for each one of us. And I believe with all of my heart that once you accept Jesus Christ, the next step is baptism. Well, what does it do for me? It doesn't do a thing. except obedience to Jesus Christ. That's what it is. That water doesn't make any difference in you. It doesn't matter how many times you get dunked. It ought to take only one time because that's the one that counts. If you've truly been saved, you will desire to be baptized. I remember over the years I've had several people that they came down forward. They accepted Christ as their Savior. They were crying. They were praying the prayer. Everything needs to be done. But then they never followed through on baptism. And I remember one lady in particular when we were, in, I believe, in Paris area. I went by the visitor, and I just asked this young lady, I says, why is it that you haven't come for baptism yet? Well, I just don't want to do that. Folks, there's something wrong with our salvation where we don't want to follow Jesus. Something's wrong. I would encourage you. I would plead with you. If you've truly been saved, follow in baptism. Jesus set this up. We didn't. The Baptist church didn't. Jesus established this as a very important part of the process. So I would encourage you this morning, as we talk about baptism, if you haven't yet been, consider it. You say, well, it's been five or six years now. So what? If you have not been baptized, I'm going to encourage you to follow that step. Not because I say so, but because Jesus is the one that initiated it. Jesus said, turn from your sins and follow Jesus' example In baptism. Jesus had no need to be baptized. He had no sin in his life. He was doing it. He was being baptized for righteousness sake. In other words, for our sake. He was setting the picture for you and I to follow all these years. That just meant it was the right thing for him to do. Set an example for us. On the day of Pentecost, Simon Peter preached a powerful message about Jesus being the only way to heaven. Now, I know today people say, oh, no, Jesus is not the only way. There are many ways. There's a good Greek word for that. It's called baloney. That's what that is. Don't listen to that. Jesus, on the day of Pentecost, Simon Peter preached a powerful message about Jesus being the only way to heaven. At the end of the message, people ask him, what shall we do now? They had already accepted Jesus. Here's what Peter's reply is. Found in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. His words still apply to each one of us today. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the reason to do it right there. And the Bible says on that day more than 3,000 people turned from their sins and were baptized. Can you imagine that in our church? I mean, we'd have a waiting line out to the street. Maybe longer than that, I don't know. But it's Jesus tells us the first thing you need to do after you receive Christ as your personal Savior is follow in baptism and i believe that's a very important thing to do the correct senate, uh, the correct sequence i start to say sentence the correct sequence is to first repent place your faith in jesus and then be baptized i do not understand how anybody that accepts jesus in a true fashion and really knows that Jesus in my heart today would not want to do what Jesus told us to do. Did you realize baptism is the first chance you get to obey Jesus after you become saved? That's important. That's very important. But yet we have Baptist people all over that have never followed in baptism. Probably sit in this room. I don't know. I'm not going to call your names out or anything else. I don't know who it is. But I would safely say somebody has never done that. It's not my desire to criticize other Christian denominations or groups and so forth. But if you are baptized as an infant, your baptism is out of sequence. Let me show you how. Number one, it wasn't your fault because you didn't have a choice in the matter. But the Bible teaches baptism is only for those who are old enough to understand that they are sinners and need a Savior. As an infant, you can't know that. It's not possible. Writing about this, Ray Stedman, one of my favorite Christian authors, here's what he says. I will barely touch on the problem of infant baptism because I do not think you can find a single verse in the New Testament which even suggests that it's proper. Baptism is an expression of faith by the individual. It cannot, therefore, be practiced by an infant who is incapable of expressing any faith of his own. Only the baptism of believers is authorized in the Bible. In the New Testament and in the first 300 years of church history, the only people who were baptized were believers. Once they accepted, they began to be baptized. The reason some churches still baptize infants by sprinkling them is because in the 4th century, the Catholic Church Made baptism a sacra- sacrament, sacrament, meaning it was an act through which salvation was bestowed upon you. Now, again, I don't want to talk bad about our friends over at the Catholic Church, but that's wrong, folks. That is not right. It was the, they put it into as an act through which salvation was bestowed upon you. No, you get salvation by asking Jesus Christ to come in your heart. That's how you get salvation. Then you follow in baptism, which is to be a picture of you dying, buried, and were raised again, just like Jesus. After Constantine, when Christianity became the official religion of the Roman Empire, it simply became a matter of efficiency for a priest to take water that had been sanctified, holy water, and sprinkle people with, including babies. Now, I understand why some churches still sprinkle, or as they call it, Christian babies. Christian babies. They're using it as a kind of dedication. I understand that. We're not talking about that. Of a child of God. They're saying that they want to raise this child as a child of God. That's fine. But don't call it baptism. Because it's not baptism. We dedicate babies around here. You now, we've got, I know, one or two that have said they want to have their baby dedicated, and that's all that is is a service that perhaps come up this platform, and we would just take that baby and just say a prayer over it and then ask, that the, you know, God bless this family as they grow, as he grows, as the children grow, and all, the family grows together. That's what dedication is. That's totally different from what we see done off other places. We call that family dedication. Parent commitment, if you will. The second important element of baptism is the meaning of what baptism is. Baptism, listen closely, Baptist. Baptism does not save you. Baptism does not save you. It has to be a personal relationship when you come of your own will and ask Jesus Christ into your heart. Now, the next step is baptism. And he's telling us in this passage here that we just read that each one of us, once we have been saved, not to save us, but once we have been saved, that we need to follow in baptism. That's Jesus' command to each one of us. And if we don't do that, we're out of sequence again. You first surrender your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Saved, whatever term you want to use. The next step is baptism. But baptism does not save you, folks. It's just an obedience that you're doing. Because of this, we believe the only proper baptism is by immersion in the Baptist church. That's where we get our name from, the Baptist. Not by sprinkling, not by pouring. The word baptizo appears more than 80 times in the New Testament. In the beginning, it was, wasn't a, even a religious word. It was a word that simply meant to dip, to soak, to immerse. One of the first uses, uses of the word baptizo, baptizo, some people pronounce it, outside the Bible is found in the writings of Nicanor, an ancient writer who wrote 200 B.C., in this, that way back then, now Kenner was providing a recipe for making pickles. This is true. Go look it up. In his recipe, he writes that the vegetables should be baptized in boiling water, and when the should be, and then the vegetables should be baptized in vinegar. So the word baptizo, baptizo, also meant to dip. In 1611, the King James enlisted Greek and Hebrew scholars to translate the Bible into the King James Version that many of you still carry today. It's a good one. The translators stumbled when they came upon the word baptize. They knew it meant to immerse, but they also knew their boss, King James, had been sprinkled. So they were between a rock and a hard place, if you will. If they translated the word baptize as sprinkle or pour, they would have been ridiculed by the academic community because there were our other Greek words that meant sprinkle or pour. But if they translated baptize as immerse, they would have been inferring that the king was not properly baptized. Sort of a situation you don't want to be in. So rather than translating the word baptize, they transliterated it. And for the first time, baptize became an English word. It's funny they, that they translated baptize as dip when it spoke of Jesus taking a piece of bread, is what they were picturing, and dipping in the sauce before he handed it to Judas. That was the same word, baptizo. Or in Luke chapter 16, when a rich man asked Lazarus to dip his finger into the water and touch his tongue, guess what the word for dip was? Baptizo. The same word. Actually, I'm okay with with the translators of the King King James Version translating baptize as dip. I like the word, Baptist, baptize. Just think about it. If they had corrected the word, uh, translated it correctly, we might be called Robertson Avenue Dipper Church. <laughs> That's what they said. And we would be, we'd be the big dippers. And there would be some little dippers all around us. <laughs> When you go under the water, it's a picture of a burial. The old you before you trusted Christ is dead and buried. That's what pit, a picture represents. When I have a young child or young man just you know, that doesn't quite understand what baptism is, and they want to be baptized, I try to sit them down and talk to them. And I'll use an example like, well, we don't have a picture, but anyway, a picture on a wall. And it may be a picture of a horse. Let's just say that. And I'll ask this young man. Now, some kids five and six years old understand exactly what you're doing. Some of them don't. And I'll ask him, i said, what is that on the wall? He'll say, a horse. No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's a horse. No, it's a picture of a horse. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying to us. That baptism is a picture of Of me and you, if you've been baptized, dying to the old world, being buried in Jesus, just like Jesus, raised from the dead to start a new life. That's also a reason I've said many times, I'll continue to say it, if your life hasn't changed since salvation, something's wrong with your salvation. Period. I don't care who you are. When you get saved, if you really get saved in the truest form, your life is going to change. It may not change that day, but you're going to want to stop going to some of the places you used to go, talking the way you used to talk, doing the things you used to talk, whatever it may be. When you become a true Christian and you know that Jesus is in my heart, you cannot stay the same. Period. I don't care who you are. You may be our deacons. But if your life doesn't change, something's wrong with your salvation, folks. You may have listened to the preacher, but you didn't listen to God because he's going to change you. Baptism is like taking a wedding vow. You're identifying yourself with Jesus and pledging your love and loyalty to him. Just two weeks ago, I got to perform my granddaughter's wedding up in Texas, Texas Arkansas. That's where we are wasn't it? Good thing Chris not here. He'd have jumped on me for that one. <laughs> we had it outside, and by the way, this was the coldest wedding I've ever done in my life. We were up on sort of a small hilltop, trees, beautiful setting. It was twenty one degrees when we started the wedding. My fingers were numb by the end of the wedding. I started saying, "Let's just go inside and do something else." <laughs> You're married. Let's go. Let's get out of here. But it's a picture of us being buried like Jesus was in the tomb. Folks, I don't care what the scientists tell you or somebody says, he was dead. If you don't think he was dead, you take a spear and stick it in your heart and say how long you last. He was as dead as he could be been in that tomb. But he didn't stay in that tomb very long. Jesus raised him up. And that's what baptism represents. We were dead. We were done with. And God raised us up to give us a life to live for Jesus Christ. That's why I say it's an important obedience we have to do. Follow him in baptism if you haven't. Have you ever been baptized by immersion after you put your faith in Jesus Christ? If not... I believe Jesus acts in this passage, why not? We usually baptize on Sunday mornings. If you're interested in taking this first step of obedience to Jesus, come forth in the message and we will set a time. I know there's two or three. I know one's sick today, so she's not here, but uh, has sickness in the family at least. And anyway, but don't let it pass by. It's important. It's important to Jesus because He's the one that established it. This is not a Baptist thing. This is a Jesus thing. The next thing we see, God's message to the believer. Crown Jesus as your Lord so he can baptize, immerse you in the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, we Baptists don't like to talk about the Holy Spirit too much. We always think if we talk about the Holy Spirit, then somebody's going to get up and do something weird. Folks, if we didn't do something in the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be here. The Holy Spirit guides us and directs us. When Jesus was baptized, the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Although the dove has come to symbolize the Holy Spirit, the text says the Holy Spirit looked like a dove. It didn't say it was a physical dove, but that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus in much the same way of a dove that lands upon somebody or whatever. There are several different kinds of baptisms in the New Testament. Water baptism is only one of them. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is so important that it's mentioned six times in scriptures. These words appear in all four gospels, gospel accounts. And just before Jesus ascended back to heaven, he said in Acts chapter 1, verse 5, John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I've had people actually tell me, well, I don't want to be involved with the Holy Spirit. Then you're in the wrong place. Because this church wants the Holy Spirit upon it. The Holy Spirit does not make you act weird and wild and crazy and so forth. The Holy Spirit confirms what Jesus has already done in your life. Jesus was referring to be baptized with the Holy Spirit is talking about take place what was going to happen taking place on the day of Pentecost when the disciples would be filled with the Holy Ghost. The sixth time this appear, this statement appears in Acts chapter ten chapter ten. Excuse me, when Peter mentions it in conjunction with Cornelius, a Gentile, being filled with the Holy Spirit, that didn't happen. Gentiles and Jews didn't like each other. They sure weren't going to do the same thing. But when Pentecost came. The Spirit of God came upon us, and all of a sudden, our brothers and sisters look a whole lot different. Because it doesn't matter if you're American or whatever you may be. If you know Jesus Christ, you're my brother or sister. That's what He's trying to portray to us here. There are some well meaning Christians who describe the baptism of the Holy Spirit as some kind of a second blessing in which you do strange things like faint or speak in tongues. You may ask by them if if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken in tongues. If you haven't, they, they may try to get you to try that. But folks, that is not necessary for salvation. It's not necessary to live the Christian life. Jesus says we need to pray to Him on a regular basis. Do you have a daily time where you read God's Word? If you don't, no wonder you're going through so much trial. God wants to be there for you. I strongly believe in baptism in the Holy Spirit, as you can tell. I believe it's the same as being filled with the Holy Spirit. But the Bible makes it clear that all believers will not speak in tongues. The initial filling of the Holy Spirit may be called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But we're commanded to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you can, I guess we've got leaks because we must run out. And we have to be filled again. That's not what he's saying. He's telling us to be filled with the Holy Spirit constantly. To learn to live in God's ways. The filling of the Holy Spirit is not for our enjoyment. It's for God's employment. To be filled or be baptized by the Holy Spirit means you're totally immersed in the life of God. You're growing in it. You're learning more and more every day. I don't care if you've been here 50 years. You can learn daily more about God if you allow Him to. The Bible calls them carnal Christians. A carnal Christian is saved, but they're not experiencing the joy of, and victory of the Christian life. And let me say, we've got those people in our church too. I'm not going to call any names, don't worry, because I don't know know the name to call you, but I don't know which ones it is. But the Bible tells us that we need to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. And yes, when you let it leak out, you're going to be in trouble for a while. But understand, all we have to do is go back to God and say, Lord, refill me. Fill it. Now, the original filling is there, but we let it, and the only word I can describe is let it leak out a little bit. We start turning back to things we used to do, places we used to go, the way we used to talk. And that's when we lose the power of the Holy Spirit. It's like a carnal Christian has taken a glass of living water, has splashed it on them. They have just enough of Jesus to save them, but not really bless them. But a Christian who is baptized in the Holy Spirit has jumped headfirst into the swimming pool filled with the living water. And their entire being is surrounded, covered, supported in the life of Jesus Christ. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit is the same thing as being baptized into Christ. Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit are completely identical. Look at these three verses that speak of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Romans 6.3 Do you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? 1 Corinthians 12.13 For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body. Galatians 3.27 For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. You see, when we don't continue that feeling, if you will, that's because we've Walked away. And yes, it happens to most of us in the course of time. That doesn't mean you turn your back on the church. That doesn't mean you turn your back on God. That just means you quit doing the things you used to do to keep you where you're at. Crowning Jesus as your Lord and being baptized in the Holy Spirit are two sides of the same coin. Now Christians quibble about whether the baptism in the Holy Spirit happens simultaneously when you're saved or if it's a subsequent experience. I don't think we can put God in a box like that. I think that we, don't, we we can't put him in a box. And so in Acts chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, there are three separate conversion stories. Wait a minute, I thought it was all converted the same way. Stay with me. There are three separate conversion stories in Acts chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10. And they're all in different sequence of events. So forget the argument over when it happens as much more important as that it has happened. That you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Most of us have heard of D.L. Moody, Dwight L. Moody, the great evangelist from the 19th century. Let me share a little bit about it. He's one of my favorite characters to read about. But Moody was an uneducated shoe salesman who never was ordained nor attended seminary of any kind, but he shook two continents for Christ. Today the Moody Bible Institute and Moody College still carry on his legacy today. What was the secrets of Moody's power? He had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. At his funeral, Moody's assistant, R.A. Torrey, spoke of how early in his ministry, Moody's attempts to do evangelistic work were futile and failures. But there were two ladies who often said, Mr. Moody, we're praying for you. Moody was a little upset with them and asked, Why don't you pray for the unsaved? They would sweetly reply, We are praying that you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. After several encounters with these two women, Moody asked them what they meant, and they explained that he needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be effective. That's when Moody asked the women to pray with him. Nothing happened that day. But several days later, as he was preparing to make his trip to preach in London... Moody described what happened. Here's his words. I was walking up Wall Street in New York, and in the midst of the hustle and hurry of the city, their prayer was answered. The power of God fell on me, and I had to hurry off to a friend and ask for a room by myself. In that room, I stayed alone for hours, and the Holy Spirit came upon me, filling my soul with such joy that I had to ask God to stop. It's too much. I can't handle it lest I die on the spot from the very joy. Moody left that place with God's power on him, and when he got to London, hundreds were added to the churches. And that campaign resulted in him being invited over for larger campaigns. R.A. Torrey, his assistant, claimed the reason that God used D.L. Moody was because he knew what it was to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Wow. Jesus told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Guess who that applies to today? Usans. Each one of usans. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Have a Bible to say amen. All right. I heard one or two. I'm kidding you. Can you honestly say the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit is upon your life right now? Can you say that? That only happens when you allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and empower you. And lastly, God's message to the church. Introduce people to Jesus. Baptize them. Teach them to be his disciples. Here's the message to everyone. Repent and follow Jesus' example of water baptism. There's a message to in- individuals to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But there's also a message to the church. The last words Jesus spoke to his disciples are called the Great Commission. I probably don't even need to tell you where to look it up because you can look it up without it. Oh, you know it by my heart probably. But it's found in Matthew, 8, uh, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Here's the words. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Folks, as a church, that is our marching orders. It doesn't change for anybody. Well, I just don't like to do that. It doesn't matter. God said, do this. Jesus considered baptism such of an important act of faith and obedience that he made it part of his command to the church, the church, folks. There are many things that a church can do, but nothing is more important than seeing people come to know Jesus Christ. Nothing. It doesn't matter how big this building grows. It doesn't matter how many times we redo the parking lot that matters nothing compared to winning souls to Christ. I've personally made a commitment. My New Year's resolution, I guess you could say, we need to reach out to more people in our community. Jesus said there is joy in the presence of the angels over one person who repents. That's why baptism is a celebration in our church. Whenever somebody is baptized, We should applause and praise God because we are obeying the Lord's command. And when a person becomes a Christian, walks this aisle, commits their life to Jesus, my Bible tells me that the angels are having a party, celebrating it. Jesus commanded us to baptize all nations. The word for nations is a word that means people groups. It didn't say just this people or that people. It says all people. We practice and support global missions because we believe God wants every person to be saved. How are we doing this as a church and as a denomination of baptizing new converts? You may be surprised to learn some baptism statistics. Now I had to go back a little bit to get some of these. In 2011 our Southern Baptist missionaries were responsible for baptizing 609,968 converts. We support that every every month by part of our offerings going to support missions. That factors out to 120 baptisms for every full-time missionary. We baptize many more people overseas than in the U.S. Because the total baptisms in the Southern Baptist Convention churches in the U.S. is 345,941. Still a good number, but not near where it means to be. So what those statistics tell me is we as American Christians don't care about the ones outside of this church. We're baptizing people in our churches, but we're not reaching out to the people outside. Here at Robertson Avenue, we've seen a good number of baptisms over the years. We've seen quite a few people baptized, and I believe we really should be baptizing many more each year. We have all kinds of ministries and activities, but we must never forget the main call of Christ. As you've heard before, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's reaching outside this walls and talking to people. Let's close tonight, uh, tonight, this morning. Let's just think for a moment. Are you where you need to be? First of all, have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior in a real way? Not just say the words. I'm talking about have you ever accepted them. If you have, have you ever followed through on believer's baptism? There may be people who have been a part of this church for 25 years that have never followed through. I've seen it happen before. I'm not trying to scare you or anything else. I'm not going to call your name or nothing whatsoever. But folks, this isn't about what I think. This is about what God knows about you. Does He know that you are a true Christian? Have you followed His command? Are you living the Christian life today in a way you've never lived it? In just a moment, we're going to stand at our feet. If you're not there, I would invite you. Our deacons will be on the sides of the church and they'll be glad to talk to you. Whatever need you may have. Don't leave this building without Jesus. Every day of this week, there are people that are killed on the highways around Central Texas. Oh, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you the facts. There is not a promised one that you'll be back next Sunday. I'll wait until next Sunday. You may not be here next Sunday. Not a one of us know for sure. Make that decision today. Would you? Let's stand and pray together. Dear God, we thank you, Lord, for this time you've given us. And, Lord, I just ask you to take your words and just bless them. Not my words, your words. And bless them. Lord, there's a crowd this size, somebody may not have ever been saved to begin with. Second, they may not have ever followed in baptism. Thirdly, they may have, their lives may have never changed. And if they haven't, something's wrong. Don't let us leave this building today. With that question on our heads. Go with us through the short verse of invitation and just take control of this service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.